0: So we're turning together tonight to Revelation, the book of Revelation, and we're into chapter three. Chapter three. And we're looking at the seven churches. We are so privileged, you know, to know the end from the beginning, because the Bible tells us the end from the beginning. And we know what the end of the church will be, and the Lord's coming, and we will be all raptured up into glory. And that's lovely to know, that, isn't it? And that is our hope that we wait on. Uh, so we've looked at Ephesus, the church of Ephesus, which had left its first love. And again, it always comes back to us, doesn't it? Uh, we examine ourselves corporately, individually. Are we loving the Lord? giving him his place. Have we got that fervent love for the Lord or is that love waning? And then we go into Smyrna, which we thought of as the persecuted church. It had commendations, nothing against that church because it was being persecuted. Then we come to Pergamos, which was the compromising church and then we came to Thyatira which was the church completely corrupt and we looked at that as Roman Catholicism and now we're looking at the church of Sardis which is known as the dead church Uh, so it's getting worse isn't it (laughs) in that sense now I'll tell you the story again I may have said it before but I'll say it again there was a, a minister of a church he was fed up basically, with the spiritual vitality of his congregation. And what he did, he went one day on one of the services, he had a coffin placed at the front. Yeah, a coffin. (laughs) (laughs) And then he remonstrated with all his congregation that this church is dead. And this church needs some life. yeah, Spiritual vitality, give us some life. And he said, Who, or what is responsible, or who is responsible for this deadness? And then what he made them do is file one at a time. He says, I want you all to come down here and look in this coffin. So one by one, they all came down and looked in the coffin. And they could see who was responsible. And it wasn't somebody in the coffin, because what he'd done is put a mirror at the bottom of the coffin. So when they looked in, they saw a picture of themselves. You are responsible. And when we talk about Sardis, we're looking at it corporately, yes, but also we can apply it individually. And we ask ourselves individually, what is my spiritual state before the Lord? It's always good to ask, isn't it? We can fluctuate on that spiritual state. but And how do we maintain that spiritual vitality? It's essential to maintain that, isn't it? And we can only maintain it by keeping close to the Lord and by reading his word and being in fellowship with his saints. That's how we maintain spiritual vitality. Remember the old coke fires? That used to, you have to stir up in, in the burn and... And then if a coal comes out of the fire, it's glowing. And then if it stays out of the fire, it goes cold and black and dead. Okay? So we've got to spark up the embers, haven't we? To keep together and spark up the embers. Spiritual vitality individually. Well, let me read from the verses. I'm going to talk about it more. So chapter 3 says, Unto the angel of the church in Sardis write, These things, saith he that hath the seven spirits of God and the seven stars, I know thy works, thou hast a name that thou livest and art dead. Be watchful and strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die, for I have not found thy works perfect before God." Remember therefore how thou hast received and heard and hold fast and repent. This one always gets me, you know, the Lord calling for the church to repent. That is quite serious, isn't it? If therefore thou shalt not watch, I will come on thee as a thief, and thou shalt not know what hour I will come upon thee. Thou hast a few names, even in Sardis, which have not defiled their garments. And they shall walk with me in white, for they are worthy. He that overcometh, the same shall be clothed in white raiment, and I will not blot out his name out of the book of life, but I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. Should have a word of prayer before we start. Our Father, we thank Thee for this book of Revelation. We thank Thee for its exhortations and its rebukes. We thank Thee that it challenges us so much to our own spiritual state and the state of the churches, even throughout the world. And we pray that we might listen and take on board what thou art saying to us. There may be a need for us to repent. There may be a need for us to stir up our spiritual vitality and our faithfulness to the Lord Jesus Christ. And we pray for these things that thou do a work for thine own glory. And we do thank thee for our assembly here. We do thank thee for our Christian fellowship, one with another. We do thank you that the word of God is faithfully taught in this place. These things we can greatly delight in. We give thanks in the precious name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, when we look at these churches, we always go back to Revelation chapter 1 because the Revelation chapter 1 speaks of the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. And there's always some aspect of that first chapter which is related to To each individual church. And the one that's related to Sardis is this. He that hath the seven spirits of God and the seven stars, which are the messengers of the church. He that hath the seven spirits of God. We find that in Revelation chapter 1, verse 4, where it says, John unto the seven churches which are in Asia, grace be unto you and peace from him which is and which was, and which is to come, and from the seven spirits which are before his throne. So we need to understand what the seven spirits are, which are before his throne. And it is the Holy Spirit. But we're not used to seeing the Holy Spirit in the sevenfold aspect, are we? We're used to seeing him as, in the New Testament as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But here it is seen in a different aspect, because Revelation changes everything. Yes? It's a totally different aspect from the New Testament. It's a book of judgment. We see we don't see the Father in the book of Revelation, we don't see that precious relationship. We see Christ in a different relationship of judgment. He's judging. He's judging the churches. And it also says about the seven spirits in Revelation chapter four. And it's always related to the throne, you notice. Chapter 4, verse 5. And out of the throne proceeded lightnings, thunderings, and voices. And there were seven lamps of fire burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. And then again in Revelation chapter 5, related to the throne. Verse 6. And I beheld, and lo, in the midst of the throne and of the four beasts, and in the midst of the elders, stood a lamb as it had been slain, having seven horns, horns equals power, and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God, sent forth into all the earth. So it's it's the seven spirits of God. It's a sevenfold aspect of the Holy Spirit does apply to the Holy Spirit. And many relate it to. Isaiah chapter 11. If I like Isaiah 11. It says in verse 1. Isaiah chapter 11. There shall come forth a rod out of the stem of Jesse. And a branch shall grow out of his roots. And the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. The spirit of wisdom. And understanding. The spirit of counsel and might the spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord and shall make him quick of understanding in the fear of the Lord and he shall not judge after the sight of his eyes neither reprove after the hearing of his ears but with righteousness shall he judge the poor and reprove with equity for the meek of the earth he shall smite the earth with the rod of his mouth and with the breath of the lips shall he slay the wicked sevenfold aspect sevenfold, seven means perfection as well sevenfold perfection of the seven spirits of God. All applicable to the book of Revelation. So that's the first thing we notice in Revelation chapter three. He has the seven spirits of God and he has the seven stars. He has absolute authority over the assemblies. And then he says, as we've been looking at normally, I know thy works. Now, individually, again, he knows every single thing about you and I. Nothing isn't from him. Everything. When you were born, where you were born, what work you're doing. (sighs) Everything. What you're thinking of your mind, the lot. He knows everything about us. And everything we do for him, he also knows about it. I know thy works, she says. Thou hast a name that thou livest. And what that means is they had a reputation. Yes? Mm-hmm. But you're dead. Yes? Where's the reputation gone? This church is applicable by church history to the Reformation in the 1500s. So when we had Thyatira, which is the dominance of Roman Catholicism, uh, and it was corrupt through and through, now we had the blessing of the Reformation coming in. And it was a great blessing, wasn't it? And we still have some of the benefits today of the blessing of the Reformation, especially Luther when he pinned his things to the door, and righteousness by faith, yes? It was a bright light. It, it, it's, it's something which changed and it brought in Protestantism. That's a hard word to say, that you know, Protestantism. <laughs> it brought in Protestantism as related to Roman Catholicism. But, God says, I have not found your works complete. It didn't go far enough, the Reformation. Right? We still have the blessings of it, like the Word of God. We have that And it still remains with us. Things that remain, hold fast to, yeah? And we can remain and hold fast to the word of God and give thanks for that. But the Reformation came in and it waned. And it's interesting that places like Germany, where it started, wasn't it? In Germany, uh, the biggest population of professing Christianity is, is in Germany, Roman Catholics. But didn't do a great work in Germany or Austria Italy unaffected much by the Reformation Spain unaffected by the Reformation but give thanks that Great Britain was touched <laughs> by the Reformation especially Scotland and England and, and so forth so we can give thanks for that can't we that we were touched by it and then we have a history of brethren as well which is not a good read by the way uh, because of all of its divisions and things but there is a a blessing in the Brethren Assemblies so it's the Reformation isn't it that's what it's talking about and it's petered out it's lost its fire which is very sad isn't it so the Lord says to them be watchful and strengthen the things which remain and are ready to die so again, they like the little burning embers in the fire, aren't they? Not, it's not kindling, it's not burning brightly, it's starting to fizzle out. And that's what the Lord is saying here, strengthen the things which remain. There's a little bit of hope left there, isn't it? That they could turn it round and reform. But they are ready to die, for I have not found thy works perfect before God. Now he says, remember therefore how thou hast received and heard. And we've got all this in the word of God, haven't we? What we've received and heard. And hold fast and repent. This church again is being called to repentance. Four churches in Revelation that are being called to repentance. So this is no exception. And watching is extremely important important, isn't it? Sardis was another uh, city in Asia, in Turkey area. And Sardis was a a fortified place as well. But it was conquered three times. Fortified place, conquered three times. Conquered by Cyrus, the Persian. Conquered by Alexander the Great. And conquered by the Romans. And it's interesting that history records that they weren't very good at watching (laughs) for the approach of enemies. They fell asleep. They were asleep when they should have been watching. And and that's why they got succumbed so often, because they weren't watching. So that little message here, watch. The words of our Lord Jesus Christ, watch and pray, lest you enter into temptation We must be watching all the time, isn't it? And things change so quickly in this world, don't they? And we've got to be awake. That's what it's saying. Be awake to what's going on around us. And I love the expression again in Isaiah. I've read this many times in Isaiah. Uh, Because they say to the Lord in Isaiah 51, this is Israel saying to the Lord, Awake, awake. Put on strength, arm of the Lord, awake, as in ancient days, as in the generations of old. So they're saying to the Lord, as it were, wake up, you know, let's see your hand, like we've seen in days before, wake up. But then the Lord says to them in verse 17, he turns it back on them, on Israel, he says, Awake, awake, stand up, O Jerusalem, which has drunk at the hand of the Lord the cup of his fury, so he's telling them, you awake. Keep awake, yes. You need to wake up. Book your ideas up, as the common expression in Yorkshire, isn't it? But wake up. We need to be awake to these things. Watchful and awake. And we should be watching and waiting for the Lord to come. Mm-hmm. And in the busyness of our lives, day by day, as we go on with them and we go to work and we come home, and before you know it, you've done a day's journey of work and you think, if I remember today, the Lord is coming. Yeah? We can get caught up in so many things and it just gets put a little side, doesn't it? But we know the Lord is coming. And let us hold fast. And then, this is interesting, he says, If therefore thou shalt not watch, I will come on thee as a thief. And thou shalt not know what hour I will come upon thee. So here the Lord is threatening this church. Like what he comes for the world. Yes. He judges the world. He comes as a thief. He's not coming for a thief. For those who belong to him. As one Thessalonians tells us. He says. For you yourselves knows perfectly. That the day of the Lord shall come as a thief in the night. When they shall say peace and safety and sudden destruction cometh upon them as travail upon a woman with child and they shall not escape. But ye, that's us, are not in darkness that that day should overtake you as a thief. He's not coming for us as a thief, is he? come to take his children home. Ye are the children of the light and the children of the day. We are not of the night nor of the darkness. Therefore let us not sleep as do others, but watch and be sober. Another the other thing I was thinking about when, when this great bright light of the Reformation came in and so many blessings came in from the Reformation, uh, I thought of Josiah. I always love the, the account of Josiah. You know, a young, as a young lad, he turned to the Lord and he wanted to serve the Lord and he was on fire for the Lord. And he was a bright light in a day of declension of Israel. Such a bright light. Going on so well, getting prosperous. People were turning back to the Lord. He destroyed idolatry out of of Judah. Uh, Wonderful bright light. And everyone was getting the blessing of that bright light. Until he decided he was going to war with the king of Egypt. Which was nothing to do with him really. And the king of Egypt told him that. Don't meddle with me. you know. God has told me, don't meddle with me. This is not your war. But he insisted on going and he was killed in the battle. Now that was a massive loss to Judah. There was a massive mourning for that king that died, Josiah. They loved him so much, they mourned and mourned his death. And that bright light was extinguished. And what happened then? Total decline, right, and carried off into Babylon. That was the end of the bright light, yes. From then on, it was declension all the way down. So this church is in danger of declension. Yeah. Its works are not perfect. But then we come on to some happy news, yes. <laughs> Thou hast a few names. Notice it says a few which is sad in itself, isn't it? There's a few names. And the Lord knows every name of these few. This little remnant, he knows them by name. And it says, they have not defiled their garments. And as usual, you find Christians in places where it's not good to be, but they are seeking to remain faithful to the Lord in those very bad conditions. Yes. Uh, and sometimes you need to come out of it. We talked about Roman Catholicism, didn't we? And a lot of there is some true Christians in Roman Catholicism. They haven't come out of it. So they don't see as we see it with corruption. I know I've got a friend of mine who has who has just told me he's gone back to the Roman Catholic Church for the breaking of bread. Uh, Yes, I did warn him on the phone. Uh, I said, John, that's not a good idea <laughs> to go back into Roman Catholicism because and I explained all which was why. But he still insisted he wanted to do that. So Once they're in the Roman Catholic Church, it's very hard to get them out of it. Yeah. So these few names, not defile their garments, for they shall walk with me in white. Isn't that lovely? They shall walk with me, the Lord Jesus said. They're precious to remember. They're faithful. These are the faithful ones. For they are worthy. Their life is commensurate with faithfulness. And therefore they are worthy. And then we have the promise to the overcomer. There's no commendation, by the way, for this church. But there is this wonderful promise for the overcomer. He that overcometh shall be clothed in white raiment and I will not blot out his name out of the book of life now isn't that wonderful God has a book of life every Christian is named in that book of life everyone yeah Paul says to the uh, Philippians he says I entreat thee also true yoke fellow help those women which wavered me in the gospel with clements also and with other my fellow labourers, whose names are in the book of life. Amen. Eh? <laughs> Aren't you glad your name is written in the book of life and no one can take it out? It's there permanently. Indelible ink. So where our names are written in the book of life. The overcomer has promised that. And I will confess his name before my father. That means he's going to celebrate with praise before his father. And before the angels. So that's a lovely promise to the overcomer, isn't it? And there'll always be overcomers, right to the end. And then we have this warning that we've always been accustomed to he that hath an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying unto the churches. So we ask the question, are we dead? <laughs> Have we got spiritual vibrancy? Are we moving forward in the things of the Lord? Have we got life? <laughs> are we into the word of God? The truth of it, from beginning to end. we're so privileged to know that. The end from the beginning. We know what's coming on the end. We know what's coming on the world at the end from the book of Revelation, which is absolutely terrifying when you read it. uh, But we won't be involved in that. I do believe the church will not go through the tribulation. And the next church we'll look at tells us that in one of the verses. Which is a blessing, I think. Because there is Christians out there that think they will go through the great tribulation. They think they're going through it now because things are so bad. These things are minor compared to what will be in the day to come when the church is gone. And all that restraint against evil is with Christians being here. As soon as that's all gone, the restraint's gone and it will be absolutely horrendous. We will not experience that. We will be with the Lord, which is such a comfort and a blessing, isn't it? Which is why you need to get your eschatology right really because you'd be frightened of that wouldn't you if you thought you were going through the tribulation waking up each day thinking Ooh, I've got this to look forward to and I'm going to go through that you wouldn't have any peace would you but we're spared we're spared that so that's saddest Not so serious questions for us to ask ourselves isn't there um, but the blessing again of the overcomer we shall walk with him in white and i'm just going to read and finishing it's a lovely hymn by derby i'll just read it 270 and shall we see thy face and hear thy heavenly voice well known to us in present grace well may our hearts rejoice with thee in garments white lord jesus we shall walk and spotless in that heavenly light of all thy sufferings talk close to thy trusted side in fellowship divine no cloud no distance e'er shall hide glories that then shall shine fruit of thy boundless love that gave thyself for us forever we shall with thee prove that thou still lovest us thus and we love thee blessed Lord be now though feeble here Thy sorrow and thy cross record what makes us know thee near. We wait to see thee, Lord, yet now within our hearts thou dwellest in love that dost afford the joy that love imparts. Yet still we wait for thee to see thee as thou art, be with thee, like thee, Lord and free, to love with all our heart. When we get to glory... There be no hindrance whatsoever to our love and praise of the Lord Jesus Christ. We'll walk with him in white. Let's pray. Our Father, we do thank thee for thy abounding grace towards us all. We thank thee for thy love and we thank thee for the giving of thy well-beloved Son. We thank thee we have all the spiritual blessings in our Lord Jesus Christ.